Hey guys, it's Camilla. I just wanted to thank you for listening to Hivecast, the official podcast of the Archive. Also, I wanted to add that we know the audio quality in this episode is not super great. The good news is we've been working with our super awesome producer, Michael Maurice, and the audio is going to be a lot better from here on out. Thank you for sticking with us and be prepared for killer audio next time. Today on Hivecast, Origins of Laz and the Desert Prophet. Finding spirituality in weird art. Treading the line between the sacred and the profane. And how to join the cult. This and more in today's episode of Hivecast. And now, without further ado, here are your hosts, Camilla and Laz. Welcome to Hivecast, the official podcast of the Archive. I'm Camilla. And I'm Laz. Basically today, we are just here to answer your questions about this weird art movement that we're part of. Laz, do you want to talk a little bit about the Archive and what it is? Sure. The Archive is, it's an art collective that we started about a year ago that focuses on the things that we love about not just Utah, but Mormonism, spirituality, the desert. We just love all that jello. It's a big theme. So good. <laughs> so good. All of the above. Yeah, that's a pretty good summary. We're a new revelation in Mormon arts. Today, we're going to introduce ourselves, talk about our group a little bit, answer a few of your questions. And hopefully as the show goes on, if it uh, is something that people are interested in hearing about, or maybe even if it isn't, <laughs> we will continue to share things from people in our group, things that we find interesting, hopefully interview some cool artists, Yep. We are open to hearing all of your suggestions, feedback, anything like that. So yeah, what do we got? Uh, we should probably start by introducing ourselves. That's right. Do you want to go first? Well, my name is Laz. That's not my birth name, but that's what I go by online. I am an anonymous artist working out of Salt Lake City. I've been doing uh, local arts in the Mormon scene for about three and a half years or so now with Camilla here. I'm one of the founding members of the archive and uh, I try to do a little bit of everything. So check me out online. Most of my handles are Mormcore if you aren't already familiar with me. And uh, who's Laseros? So Laseros is a persona that I work under. Uh, I sign most of my work as Laseros and it's kind of a future ghost from the past that's a skeleton. <laughs> Aren't we all just future ghosts? It makes from a the lot past. of sense. <laughs> a skeleton that's also a ghost. I'll take it. Sure. Here's another question. Why are you anonymous? At this point, I'm just still anonymous because that's kind of what I've been doing and I'm still not entirely certain where I want to land with everything. I started out uh, completely anonymous to everybody except for, I won't even say the specific relationship. <laughs> Nobody will even know if I'm married or if I have parents. <laughs> In the beginning, it was just that I wanted to express some slightly uncomfortable ideas. I know that we have a question about if my work is aiming to make fun of the church or anything, and it's not, just to get that out of the way now. But I felt more comfortable being anonymous just because, I don't know, it was kind of cool, it was kind of fun, and I didn't really have to deal with explaining myself. I could just put my this chunk of my heart and concerns out in the world and just let it be. And uh, now I've met a lot of people in real life. I'm totally down to do that. I'll probably even tell you who I am if you meet me up in person. But online, it's just kind of something I'm still going with. I think it's cool, personally. 
Also, I would say it's probably one of the reasons why I spent many months on the internet trying to earn your trust enough for you to reveal your identity to me. Anyways, more on that in a second. I'll introduce myself. My name's Camilla. My artist persona is the Desert Prophet, which is also a skeleton. Just That's a coincidence, though, I swear. And uh, wearing a really cool hat, hanging out in the desert and telling everyone that the world's going to end because that's the vibe that we're going with these days. I'm an artist, too. I've been doing art for about 10 years, but only in the past couple of years did I start using my art to explore religion. And a big part of that is because I came across this insane account online called Mormcore. You see where this is going. Mm -hmm. And it was these vaporwave Mormon art collages. And it was like nothing I'd ever seen before. And like in that moment, I suddenly realized that religious art and Mormon art can be interesting, like truly interesting. So I set about trying to befriend this person. Took me months and months. Eventually, the artist known as Laz, uh, I almost said his real name. (laughs) better not (laughs) we'll just bleep it out hey we can censor it (laughs) oh somebody better remember to censor that anyway at that point uh i started using religion more to explore my own artwork or using artwork rather as a way to explore my own spirituality and religiosity so i currently do a lot of you know a lot of mediums i do pen and ink drawings i do printmaking i do embroidery sometimes i do digital stuff a teeny bit lately but it's mostly exploring, I would say, like the duality of light and dark in the human experience and different symbolism from nature and stories from the Bible. I combine a lot of sources into my work. But yeah, that's a little intro on me. I live in Provo, love the place, and I'm not anonymous. So I'm online at Camilla Gla. That's C A M I L L A G L U H. I would say that you're like whatever the opposite of anonymous is. <laughs> I feel like everybody knows you in Provo and everybody I've met has been through you. <laughs> every single person you've ever met has been through Every me. single person every I've ever met. Every single person. Well, because here's the thing. Like I was saying earlier, I don't have any parents. Right, right. I just started existing one day <laughs> on the internet and then Camilla reached out to me and I started to gain a corporeal form and oh, started meeting so everyone. That's why it took so long for you to meet me in person because you didn't yeah. have a person. It was a, um, it was like a, a digital social media summoning ritual that took months of sacrifice of um, not knowing who I was. Wow. It's like you were putting your frustration on the <laughs> altar to bring me into the world. Well, welcome to the world. That means you're what, like a year and a half old now? Yeah, I guess. I think we started talking. Okay, I actually know this for sure. And this is interesting. So we can go into it about how we met outside of what you've already explained about just talking to me online. It has been almost two years-ish because I remember that two Christmases ago, I alternate Christmases between two locations. So I know (laughs) this for sure. I was out visiting some relatives two Christmases ago when I remember that we started talking i think i was in like this time of year cool i think maybe it was like a month later january but it was around that time um and it's been a wild ride we like uh i had a booth at sunstone in 2017 right summer of 2017 uh it must have been 2018 i think you're right yeah yeah i don't know yeah no it was definitely 2018 yeah yeah, the whole timeline is a little bit of a blur now, but like we've only been operating the archive since March. March. And currently, if you're listening to this some distant time in the future, it is December of 
2019. So March of 2019 through December. I don't know. We have a good 30 people in on the conversation, but maybe like a core 10 that we like talk to all the time. Yeah. So, yeah, basically during our conversations about art and religion and whatever, as I was trying to ascertain this person's identity and also because it was good conversation. One of the things he said was like, I want to make an art collective. And I was just like, hell yeah, dude. (laughs) I think it was exactly those words. I don't remember. (laughs) And I wanted to have a group show. And so basically last March, we were able to propose a show at Written Vision in Provo. It's a contemporary Mormon art gallery uh, on Center Street run by Brad Kramer, who we hope to have on the show at some point. But we had a show called Holy Hell at Written Vision. That was in March 2019. And that was really kind of the kickoff of our group. And it was really from there that we started reaching out more to other people who were doing contemporary Mormon art we thought was interesting as well as they came and found us, you know? So yeah. we needed yeah. more people in the show. I mean, it was mostly us. We'd kind of talked to a few people, but we all, each of us knew a handful of people or had seen some people's work that we had never met before. So anyway, that's kind of our background a little bit. We can go into more detail about that if you have any further questions or if you're interested in being part of this conversation. We're not like that exclusive. We will, if you want to reach out to us and talk to us, we've met a lot of people who we've reached out to. They've reached out to us. It's all pretty fluid. Basically, we're just here to make friends and influence people. Yes. And uh, so if you yourself have felt kind of like in a weird in-between space between the orthodox and the secular or between the serious and the quirky or sincere and sarcastic or whatever, just like send us a message through Twitter, Instagram, whatever. Yeah, we're all about that middle ground. So today we're doing questions. Yeah, so basically we just asked the internet, hey, what do you want to know about the archive? What do you want to know about us? Our social media presence is a little bit enigmatic, I think. It's not that way on purpose necessarily, maybe a little bit. We're just bad at running social media accounts. We're just like two people with some friends that are all trying to do their best that are all on trying a part-time to schedule. Change the world with so. art. Anyways, so let's take a look. Um, some There were some general questions about the archive. Well, we've kind of talked about a few of these. Yeah. So who started the archive and what are the group's goals? I mean, yeah. we did. We, we totally did. We met online and our goals. I mean, when I said I wanted an art collective, I don't know if I specifically knew why. I had some general ideas, but it's like Camilla said a minute ago, we kind of just want to make friends and like meet like-minded people. You were talking about really kind of seeing a sort of shift in people's interest in engaging with Mormonism as a culture rather than strictly a religion. You want to talk more about that? Oh yeah, for sure. I, I mean, this is something that I've kind of, I haven't changed my thoughts on it. I just think that I have become... A little less certain in some ways, but I can get into that. But around the time we met online, I went to Sunstone. We got the show together. We met all these people. The show's response was really good. That was Holy Hell in March of uh, 2018. 19. 19. That was this year. man. Um, around that time, I kept telling people, I'm sure if you ran into me at any of those events, you probably remember me saying like, something's in the water. I feel like something's changing. And uh, I still feel that way. The only hesitation I expressed a minute ago is I'm just like, was there something in the water long before I found it? Or was it really around that same time? But it doesn't really matter. But what was the thing in the water? Tell me more about that. Just that I kept running into people who were either members of the church or former members of the church or had never been members, but were from Utah. 
And they all had this interest in kind of embracing these things instead of uh, pretending like they were too cool for them. From the beginning, the one thing we've kind of circled back to is that we want to embrace what we have instead of pretending like we're too cool for it. Yeah, I mean, uh, the way that we kind of see that is like in terms of the LDS church itself, oftentimes we kind of try to be like, we're just a normal, another normal Christian Protestant church, you know, but it's like, no, there's, you know, some pretty big, unique things that are different about this church. And we think that those things should be celebrated or living in Utah. I'm not from Utah, but I live here and I like it here and I'm proud to live here. But there's kind of an attitude about like, oh, Utah sucks. Provo sucks. And if you're serious about art, if you're serious about your career, you're going to move to get out Los Angeles or New York or whatever. And and then pretend you were never from here, you know, and like we're not interested in that. We're interested in celebrating the place we're in and the weird culture we find ourselves in and just kind of taking it lightly. Yeah. So, I mean, currently I've well, currently for the last almost a year, I've been wanting to write this manifesto. And currently, now that I have a deadline from Camilla for the end of the year. I am really stewing on these things and I'm going to put it into words about what the goal of the group is if you can formulate a solid goal. But it's basically that. It's like, first of all, don't pretend like you're too cool for this stuff, which is hard sometimes because we live in a world with contemporary Christian rock music that's really like cringy. And we've definitely met some people who want to evangelize the church through art which is fine, but sometimes it can come across as a little bit hokey. You know, we've all been there, but we think that it is possible to own these things without keeping them like as a separate, like behind the scenes Sunday life. And we also think it's possible to influence the other way to like own the cool things we love from the world, like cool art and cool humor. That's actually funny and actually engaging and uh, apply it to a church setting, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's kind of two way street. Right. I think a big theme that we see in a lot of our work and our conversations and sort of where we operate is like a middle ground between other things, you know, like Holy Hell was the name of our first show, right? And it was about the peculiar intersections of the sacred and profane because it's so easy to split the world into black and white and just like binaries, but. I think the most interesting things are where there's overlap and at the intersection of other things and where things are contradictory. And I think that's kind of the space that we're trying to explore. I also think another big difference with the work we're doing is we're not using artwork to like evangelize a certain way of thinking or being. We're just kind of using it to explore our own experiences and expressing that through different forms of artwork. And we have members do it through writing and music and that sort of thing. Yeah, we're, we're all pretty personal, I'd say. That's something that I hadn't really put into thought before now. But a lot of the work we're doing is um, it's not it'd be really cool if somebody used it as illustration, but it's not meant to illustrate. We're not like being commissioned to draw this piece, but rather uh, interpret some scene or some scripture, whatever it is, through our own experiences with it. So I think, yeah, that's the archive, the goals in general. Hear more from that. Keep an eye out as we get this uh, manifesto zine out and put it into words and hopefully turn it into something concrete that we can all like work towards and agree on. Yeah. But we're all on the same page. More or less. Yeah. More or less. All right. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors and we'll be back with more of your questions. This episode of Hivecast was made possible by Planet Space. 
Have you ever been exalted and blessed with infinite increase through billions of spirit children, only to find your new world without number to be lacking? Planet Space is the easiest way to design and make your planets. With hundreds of templates to choose from, Planet Space makes creating a world for your eternal posterity a joyful experience. In addition to its attractive templates, Planet Space has a lovely and praiseworthy selection of creatures, plants, and cloud formations that will be the envy of exalted beings everywhere. Go to planetspace.com slash archive and use the promo code HIVE to get 10% off your first planet order. That's planetspace.com slash archive, promo code HIVE. Hi, this is Camilla. I just wanted to thank you for listening to Hivecast, the official podcast of the Archive. I wanted to let you know how you can stay up to date with the Archive shows, projects, and meetups. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram by searching The Archive. That's A-R-C-H-H-I-V-E. You can also sign up for our email list by going to arch-hive.net. Also, if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. It helps people find our show and let them know it's worth their time. It also really helps us if you tell a friend about our cult. I I mean, uh, art collective. Spread the love. All right, that's all for now. Let's get back to the show. All right, next question. Is it Arch Hive or Archive? And what is the story behind the name? Do you want to answer that? Yeah, so it is Archive. The story behind the name is that sometime before we did the Holy Hell show, we really wanted to figure out what this collective would be called. So, I mean, for all intents and purposes, we're formalized in March, but this thing's been going since maybe January or earlier. But Um, we were like racking our brains this one weekend. We were texting back and forth for like hours trying to come up with a name and we could not. Yeah, we were like, I had used the hive in all caps stylized for all of my collages. I had kind of thought before, maybe it stands for something, maybe it doesn't. Like an acronym? Yeah, like an acronym. It was just kind of a, well, okay, going back further, (laughs) it's inspired by... um, Peter Seville and Factory Records, they would uh, catalog all of their projects. And that was like everything from shows to artwork to posters as F-A-C-T, all in caps for factory. And then a number nice. letters is all a, a catalog system. And you can still go online and see what all the catalog numbers are. Way back when I started, I was really inspired by that. And I was going to catalog everything. And even like my Facebook page would be (laughs) like a number, like all these things. And it kind of fell off to where it was just my collages. Mm -hmm. And then I made Hive Zine, which was uh, all caps Hive, all caps Zine. And then Camilla made the second issue of Hive Zine. And I feel like that's where we kind of started like thinking towards a group thing. Yeah. Probably around then. And so when it came to the name... We were racking our brains trying to think about how we could incorporate Hive into something. And we were talking about like Hive Club, Hive House, like all these things. There was no particular reason why it had to be two four-letter caps, but that was just kind of the vibe. It was the vibe. Hive Zine was that. Yeah. And we had talked about all these fun projects, which some of them we're doing now. As to how Archive happened, I don't exactly know the moment, but it was kind of thinking about like Archangels and... um, the word archive, it's kind of a pun. It's like a repository of knowledge, like a, a you know, it's a network. It's a, a, a database, a catalog, whatever you want to call it. So, yeah, we've still kind of thought about acronyms and things. And we, there are some of those are on our website. And we're always Shh, just Don't give away the Easter eggs. The Easter egg. They're I East- forgot they were Easter eggs. <laughs> Well, you got to search for them. Yeah. But yeah, it's... Because uh, maybe, maybe Hive stands for something. Maybe it does. Maybe. But uh, that's the name, I, I think. And can I... Yeah, go ahead. I hope it's okay with you if I bring this up. Like, it might be like a little personal, but like we're 
trying to be open here, sure right? It's fine. Yeah. So um, <laughs> don't be scared. So I remember it was this weekend we were trying to come up with a name, and on Monday morning you just popped out of nowhere and you're like, "I've got it." Oh, I remember okay. the archive. And I said, "You did it. How'd you come up with it? What was your answer?" Well, I had uh, kind of prayed fasted about it. Yeah. It's kind of like, it was a, one of those cool things because we're all, I mean, I can't speak for everyone in the group. Our activity in the LDS church ranges from very active, very devout, and very, I don't know if we have anyone that's very orthodox, but we have some mm. people who are more in that direction. And we have some people who are not at all. Um, I myself have gone through all sorts of phases, but yeah, I still try to say some prayers and I was kind of fasting for health reasons. And I decided if I'm fasting, I might as well turn it into like a fast. <laughs> um, and yeah, it kind of been like, we're racking our brain over this thing. And it was this moment of inspiration, which I love. I don't know if you have any other experiences with that, just with artwork, mm -hmm. but like, I love the feeling of reaching out for that external help, which back in the day could, you could have called it like your muse or whatever. And now through our own lens, you're like praying to God and receiving, like opening your heart to receive answers that aren't your own. Mm -hmm. I, I just love when that happens and it like, it's happened for me a few times. It's really cool. I need to do it more. <laughs> yeah. So that's the story behind the name. Um, let's talk about our little mascot. So people ask about this a lot. We, you've probably seen it uh, on our, like our social media pages and stuff. It's this dude in a cloak and a mask carrying a lion head, right? Mm -hmm. um, do you want to talk about that and kind of where that came from? Yeah, that was another like really happy, a happy accident, happy accident slash just creative dump without a lot of thought going into it that just like was right. Uh huh. And it was right after we got the name, I think. Or was I think it so. Uh, I can't remember. It was around. The, it was within a week. Yeah. Either way. For sure. I don't know if we were trying to come up with a similar mascot directly or if i just like no i think what happened was you sent me some pictures of medieval beekeepers mm -hmm. and you're like look at these things and they they're like cloaked figures and they're wearing these wicker they look like wicker basket bottoms but they're like wear them as masks over their faces and they just had this really interesting quality to them and um yeah i had, yeah. I had uh, seen them previously and kind of forgotten about them and then came upon them again and uh, I was like, well, this is on brand. Check this out. And then I was at work and- Wait, can we talk about real quick why beekeepers? Oh yeah. I mean, I think uh, we have a lot of um, symbolism of the beehive and the bees in Utah, Here in obviously. Utah, yep. But bees are also just super cool. Um, <laughs> outside of like the whole industry thing. I mean, you can talk about the industry or the hierarchy of the bees, but they're just, I don't know. There's something about bees that are kind of otherworldly to me. Cool. And beekeepers. I had done a little bit of beekeeping. I'm not. Oh, I have to say the first picture I ever saw of Laz was like him standing 50 feet away in a beekeeper suit. It's true. In like the middle of the desert. And he was like, this is me. And I was like, okay. He's like, yeah, do you want a picture? Here you go. <laughs> and I go in a, like a black and white filter and make sure the blacks are really dark so that there's no way you can see my form in my mask at all. <laughs> yeah, that was very deliberate. I was like, here you go. I'm mysterious. <laughs> Darn if it didn't work. Oh, yeah. I, I think beekeepers are cool. I always thought that the beekeeper could be kind of a cool alternative symbol to like the shepherd. Because we talk about the shepherd a lot in Christianity and, and you get the picture. It's someone who's looking out for the, the flock. Uh, beekeepers are cool because they kind of tend to the bees, but the bees kind of do their own thing. 
and it's a kind of a give take relationship with honey and all that stuff too mm. but yeah the medieval guys were just really cool and i looked at them in the morning then like i said i don't think we were out to like make a mascot but i was on my 15 minute lunch break i found this this uh kind of sketched out engraved version which comes from an old was it dutch uh his name was peter bruegel the elder one time I said his name and someone like said his last name even better. So I don't know if there's, there's like some fancy way. Look, we're doing our best. We don't speak but Dutch. Anyway, I found this slightly matching illustration of a lion's head from online. I found an engraving of just one of the beekeepers from this old uh, illustration. And I kind of slapped the two together and I was thinking about the part in the old testament with solomon and the, samson samson sorry i knew that i was gonna get that wrong <laughs> samson and the lion's corpse with the bees in it and his whole riddle about sweetness coming forth from the strong and i was like this is cool i'll replace the beehive with a lion's head and i did it it was pretty low res and it just like came together it was serendipitous it was it perfect great. it was perfect and we came up with all the mythology like after it was made where i was like uh none of this is intentional but these things are cool and yeah. i remember it being like you can't see this figure's form like back in the beginning we we're like we don't know we can't say if you can ascribe like a gender or an age or a race or anything mm-hmm, to this guy mm-hmm. now we kind of call him a guy yeah because he's, he's kinda, our boy he's our boy <laughs> but like his posture his gait the way he's kind of looking over his shoulder you can't tell if he's like stealing and this kind of carries over from the original picture mm-hmm. you can't tell if they're like stealing these beehives or tending mm-hmm. them or mm-hmm. being protective of them yep. or all of the above so you kind of have this figure carrying this lion's head that is full of bees and uh, presumably honey kind of walking protectively of it and it just looked so cool yeah and like i see it as kind of a i guess there's other ways to look at it but i kind of see it as like religion is something that is strange and powerful and can be dangerous and sort of the feeling of a little beekeeper guy with the lion head it just like felt like the same sort of thing also the fact that he was wearing a mask because in the archive some of our members have alternate identities that have masks that we kind of use as like artist identities. Like Lazaros has a mask, that as a prophet has a mask. And so our little beekeeper, he had a mask too. Um, by the way, his name is the Archkeeper or Archkeeper. We've never been able to quite decide how to pronounce it. I prefer Archkeeper personally. Yeah, I, I lead more towards Archkeeper just because it fits with our name, but it is both harder to canon. say. Both are canon. Both are canon. It is a lot harder to say. I admit that. So that's our he boy. He fell into our laps. We love him. Yeah, we love him. Uh, I want to get a tattoo of him. Don't tell my mom I said that. Mom, if you're listening, I'm not going to do it. Anyways. Okay. <laughs> let's do our next question. Yes. This one said, oh, yeah, I'd love to talk about this one. Um, does the archive only make art that applies to Mormons? Any universal messages? So this is something I think about a fair amount because it's like, wow, like we're in this extremely niche niche, you know, it's like not only are we making art for religious minority, we're also making art for almost like a counterculture of the religious minority, you know? And sometimes I'm like, I spend so much time and energy on this work. Is it worth it? Like, does anyone care if there's so few people who are ever going to appreciate this? I guess that's not what art's about, but I always think about these two books that I read that I really, really appreciate. One of them is called My Name is Asher Lev, and it's about a Orthodox Jewish boy who is an artist and uh, kind of how he interacts with his family and his community and his God, you know, and how being an artist complicates all of those relationships. And the other one is called A Canticle for Leibowitz. This one is like 600 years after the nuclear apocalypse, there's a bunch of monks living in a monastery, like Catholic monks living in a monastery 
in the desert of the Southwest of the United States. And they're like preserving knowledge from before the flame deluge, which is, you know, the nuclear apocalypse. But both of these books like really strongly featured uh, religions that weren't my own. And there were big parts of the book. And um, I really, really enjoyed having that look into another person's religion, uh, another community's religion, and, and kind of the stories that come from that specific context. And so I guess like, you know, if I could have any hope and like dream for this art collective or any of my work, it would be that it does transcend the specific religious niche and tap into something that's a bit more human and universal yeah, that's my two cents. Oh, that's really good. I don't know if I can add much to that. I mean, my stuff is I like to play with the local culture. And I think when we talk about niches, it kind of plays into our goals or mission statements, our ethos a little bit, which is just like focusing on what we have right in front of us instead of like worrying about the big picture. Going along with all that, it's just like it's not about getting famous on a national scale. It's not about getting famous at all. But I think the kind of double-edged sword of fame is like, I think fame appeals to a lot of people, not just because it's kind of powerful or whatever, but because you can get your message to a lot of people and express yourself. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's like, of course, I've got some ego and some aspirations of fame that I try to suppress. But a lot of that comes down to just like wanting to express myself to a lot of people. And a big thing with this group has just been like being able to contain myself and being like, Maybe no one will ever care about my art outside of like the jello belt, <laughs> as I've heard it called. <laughs> that's whenever you say you're not from Utah, but you're from like Colorado. No, I'm that like, is well, not that's kind of the jello no, belt. No, it's not at all the same. I know. Uh-uh. It's not the same, but there's <laughs> the, a stretch of the no. West that has like desert vibe. I don't know. <sighs> we'll come up with our own term. Okay. All right. I, look, I, I think that there's definitely probably a jello belt. I just think Colorado's not in it. I don't, yeah, I, I would okay. say it's not directly in it, but I think it like kind of the jello kind of melts out a little bit. Like you've got pioneer. Okay, all right. Okay, a little yeah. Bit. Yeah, we got, got all right. Okay. That's all I'm getting at. Yeah, it's the it's West. It's not the same it's, experience growing up. No, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. And all I've, right. I've grown up in different places and I can definitely say, I mean, even in California where you have a lot of members, not the same experience. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. Yeah, it's just being comfortable with what you have, you know, instead of wanting more, it's like I can reach these people. Nice. Um, so can I, yeah, I pick one? Please. Let's see. Can I say hello to all the cuties at the archive? Yes. Yes, you can say hello. And, uh, and we hello. say hello back. And hello. And I'll grab another one that's a little deeper. Let's see. <laughs> Nothing deeper than cuties. Not deeper than cuties. Do you ever feel torn between being a believer and holding an honest mirror to LDS culture? Um. What do you think? Well, I, I don't really see much of a conflict personally i used to be a very black and white thinker i actually had a form of religious ocd when i was younger which i could talk about in a different podcast episode i think but i basically coming through that just really learned to accept all sides of a thing um so you know if i choose to be a member of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints i have to acknowledge and accept and understand all of the good and the bad that comes with it right i feel like that's how our relationships are that's how I feel about where I live. And I basically see this as being an extension of that attitude. Um, I'm a believer and I am perfectly happy to acknowledge and consider flaws and inconsistencies and paradoxes. And like the way I see it is if this thing is real, then it can stand up against whatever. 
And so I'm open to it all. Yeah, I mean, my own faith has gone through so many different phases of literal, metaphorical, somewhere in between, back and forth, all these different things that at this point, I just am happy that I have something that seems to mostly work for me. I know that it doesn't always work for everyone. Uh, The main thing with this question is that I don't feel like we're Maybe we are holding an honest mirror, quote unquote, inadvertently, at least for me. I'm not really trying to like criticize or point out and be like, look at all this stuff. Isn't this, isn't this uh, have a CD underbelly or anything like that? It's more just that I want to show it as it is, which is. Well, that's the definition of an honest mirror. I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. It's, it's, I don't know. I never try to seek out like, I guess a mirror shows everything. So (laughs) maybe it is a fair way to phrase it, but uh I think it's just maybe a magnifying glass in some ways too, where I'm just kind of enlarging certain aspects that uh, we kind of take for granted and blowing them up and asking if they mean more to us than we think. Hmm. And that might be a different tangent, but for me, I don't really feel that torn as much as it's kind of therapeutic and I don't really make as many collages as I used to. I kind of have a few in progress that I can't seem to get to work. And I really feel like that was from a time when I was a little bit more torn and I was just kind of painting my brains onto the canvas, as it the were. Digital canvas, the digital right? canvas. Yeah. I was uploading my mind into Photoshop. There we go. That's a lot more on brand for yeah. you. And that stuff felt uncomfortable. And some of that art I still go back and look at and I can still feel that unease that I had where I just be online, reading all sorts of historical things that I wasn't familiar with. And as I'd come across something new, I'd put it in the art, play around with it. But as of right now, I'm pretty darn like comfortable. I think there are all sorts of sides and aspects like Camilla said, and uh, it can get uncomfortable, but I'm happy that we have the archive to like talk about it in a way that doesn't ever feel combative. There's sometimes when we have discussions that can like get into uncomfortable territory, but we have a very wide range of beliefs and it's been really cool just to like meet ex-Mormons who think we're ex-Mormons, meet Mormons (laughs) who think we're ex-Mormons or ex-Mormons who think we're still zealots or whatever it is, you know, like, yeah, there's no putting a label on it. People either think I am like uh, ex-Mormon or post-Mormon or uh, one of the Desnats, which are like these pretty hardline obedience focused people on Twitter. And I'm neither of those. I'm the Desert Prophet, baby. But hey, that kind of uh, let's um that brings up kind of, I think, the next section of questions, um, which is people asking, you know, how can I be involved with the archive or how can I join your cult or that sort of thing? So we've been talking about, you know, people we talk to in this wide range of beliefs and different artists we work with and stuff. Basically, yeah, if you want to talk to us about anything or be friends with us, like we want to be friends with you too. So hit us up on any social media. Well, you know, Twitter, or Instagram, or like come to one of our meetups. We do a meetup every month somewhere in Utah, usually along the Wasatch Front somewhere. We're actually going to one right after we record this at Temple Square that our buddy, the hunchback of Temple Square is going to be giving a tour. But basically we have a lot of different projects. Laz, do you want to list them off? Sure. And if if any of these sound cool to you, like come help us do them because listen, we're only two people trying to run this whole thing and we only have so much time, energy and attention. So come help us. So let's see here. Let me pull up a list so I don't have to rattle them off my brain. So we've got Hive Blog, Writing and Poetry, Hivecast. We're recording now. We'd love to interview people or have any help on audio because we don't know what we're doing. (laughs) Don't admit it. Don't admit that. Hive Fest isn't really a concrete thing, but it's a yearly get together that could eventually hopefully be something maybe like Sunstone Symposium. Oh, I was thinking like Mormon Burning Man. Or that. (laughs) Camp out. 
hi film i took film classes as my background that's kind of where my history lies and every now and then i'm like i should make a little movie hive game i also studied video games and i would like to make a game we've got our shows which we can talk about in a second Hive show Hive show we did holy hell and we have some more in the future for you yep um hive tape we've put out one tape currently we like, like cassette, to cassettes right? cassette tapes they're yeah. cool they're coming back baby they're coming back um, if you want to make a cassette hit us up yeah it's fun it's just a little way to give a physical format to some local music that is spiritual experimental different um, just like the rest of our stuff just like the you rest. Know. we've got our zines we're up to issue five hey laz what's a zine a zine is short for magazine which is a small independent press that has been going on for a long time in little communities and underground because they're cheap and easy to make but basically you, you just yeah sorry for interrupting oh basically you just print out a bunch of pieces of paper that make a little booklet just like eight and a half by eleven about a topic you just print them off yourself you staple them together you give them to friends or sell them for a couple of bucks they're a really great and low barrier to entry way to get your ideas out in the world a little bit mm-hmm We'll talk about this later, I think, but we kind of have a, a bit of a pop art spirit in the group, especially with your work. They're kind of like pulp magazines, pulp comic mm-hmm. strip inspired, right? So those are five zines. We have five of them out right now. Mm-hmm. Hopefully six by the time I make the manifesto and seven by the time Hunchback of Temple Square. Well, we got, a, we, got one, a, right? we got a bunch in we the We got hopper. a few on the slate. Anyway, yeah, I I mean, we talked about the zines earlier. My first one was poems I had written before any of this art stuff kind of took off, but they felt on brand. And so I put them in the desert alphabet, put some illustrations in, Camilla joined in. Wait, what some, was your zine called, huh? It was called God and My Ex. I think it's a great name. And uh, uh, here's my endorsement. When I read it the first time, I had to translate it from the desert alphabet, as you would as well, uh, because it's written in the desert alphabet. But I cried the first time I read it. Okay, it's good. People have told me that and I still can't wrap my mind around it, but I'm glad that it's touching people. Um, <laughs> sad poems and other things from a different time. Like we said earlier, the hive zine's kind of the backbone that kind of got us collaborating and rolling. So we're always interested in putting those out. Yep. And if you want to read them, they're on our Etsy shop. How do you, what's the easiest way to find I that? I feel like it's etsy.com slash the archive. We'll just put it but in it our show notes. Remote. Yeah. Show yeah. notes. Do you want to run down the other ones? Yeah. So we had Hivezine 001 was God and My Ex by Lazaros. Hivezine 002 was the birth of the Desert Prophet. It's called Apocrypha. And it's a collection of poetry, drawings, photography that I did as the Desert Prophet, kind of exploring that character and like themes of environmental destruction, sort of from like a religious point of view. Yeah. And then number three is also by Lazaros. It's called Deseret Brands. And it's a, how would you describe it? Well, it's a lot of things I had done either for fun or as parts of other pieces. So when I did Holy Hell, I had a few kind of reinterpretations of brands and uh, brand logos, identities, all that stuff that I had either worked into Deseret or just changed. And they're kind of they're kind of pop art fun. They're they're punny. And I decided to do a zine that just collected all of those as well as some others that is just a nice little color booklet with some branding in it. It's yeah. Pretty simple. And the number four is by one of our collaborators known as St. Michael. It's a newspaper from kind of like an alternate past of Provo. It's very fun. You should check it out. 
And then number five is also by the Desert Prophet, and it is a book of prayer spells. And I feel like this one needs to be like, it's. I feel like they each need to be their own episode or something. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this one was me kind of exploring our history of folk magic and Mormonism and how that's like totally taboo culturally now, but it used to be like Joseph Smith was into it and the whole region and just kind of like, there's kind of a big distinction between magic and religion for a lot of people. And my question is, should there be? So I basically turned a bunch of Mormon prayers into folk magic spells uh, and like gave you little recipes for it. Anyways, um, you could check out all of these zines on our Etsy shop. And if you just go to our website, which is arc-hive.net, that's A-R-C-H-H-I-V-E.net, click on either shop or hive zine and you can find them check them out yeah and show notes we can do that yeah we're I gonna forgot that was a thing. we're gonna put the link in the show notes because we have a show now we have a show look at us look at us radio uh, personalities and i think that was all we were running through all that because we were going through the list of all of our projects right yeah and zine was last so yeah we all the zine. yeah so yeah those are all of our current projects if you're interested in any of those by all means hit us up hit us up we want to collaborate with you I think we just have time for a few more questions. Oh, should we talk about shows? Eh, maybe Holy Hell should be its own episode too. Yeah, and we have some announcements coming down the pipeline. Yeah. Instead of us speculating about what we should do, how about this? If you have any suggestions about things you'd like to hear about, about the format of the show, we kind of mentioned we want to do some interviews. We've also said each episode we could do a little bit of a deep dive on different members of the archive, or we could different do a deep projects. dive on different projects, talk about each scene or each show so we can get to that yeah. in the future but let us know yeah what, what you think is cool yeah and what you're curious about because this whole project so far has been very interesting because largely the people we've been talking with have been people who just want to collaborate which is great but we are very curious about if there are any non-creative people out there who just want to hear about things that just like it yeah and we'd love to explain what's going on in our brains yeah that's another thing is even if you are not a super creative person or feel like you're not very talented, but you want to be involved and be our friend and talk about these sort of things, you are just as welcome as any collaborator. Yeah, even if you're just like an armchair uh, philosopher, (laughs) we talk about a lot of questions that are interesting. Yeah. So So yeah, hit us up. Should we talk? Should we? I mean, okay, are we going to feature any music on this episode? Let's take a little break and talk about this. Let's take a little break. Hello there. My name is Michael Maurice. I'm the producer for Hivecast and a recently joined member of the Archive. Last May I finished my Bachelor of Music at Snow College in Utah and I've worked gigs of all kinds, from dinner theater music arranging to podcast editing to video game sound design. I currently live and work in St. Louis, so I collaborate remotely with Laz and Camilla for Hivecast, but Utah is my homeland and I'm always looking for work that would let me move back there. As Camilla said, she and Laz and I have talked and sorted out all the audio issues we had making this episode, so please stick around because future episodes of Hivecast are gonna be so good. We're super excited to be on this journey, and we're excited to have you with us. Now, let's get back to Hivecast. Let's move on to some kind of more general questions about art and religious art, and then we'll probably wrap up this episode. So this one's a super interesting question to me. Would art by a non-Mormon over Mormon subjects be considered Mormon art? What do you think? Art by a non-Mormon about Mormon subjects? Yeah. Is that Mormon art? I don't know. You could certainly make the case for it. I hesitate a little bit. Okay, let me preface by saying I would love to see it. Me too. For sure. I, I wonder a little bit about calling it Mormon art, especially in this day and age where we are all very particular about giving proper credit and not like stealing from people, et cetera, et cetera. 
I personally don't feel like that would step on my toes in any way. No, I think it would be really interesting. But I don't know if you'd call it that. Yeah. It's a good question. I think that the intent would be interesting if it's... I was really into a few years ago, I think it was Penguin Books published the Book of Mormon oh, really? as like their own classic edition thing. Mm, interesting. And it was probably not the first time that was done, but it was a very major publisher and it wasn't done by the church. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really interesting when people could kind of take these things and either share them with other non-Mormons and mm-hmm. be like, look at this interesting thing I'm seeing from the outside or share them with Mormons mm-hmm. and be like, Hey, I did a take. I mean, uh, Del Parson, no, Harry Anderson. I don't know who that Harry is. Harry Anderson is the painter who did a lot of our paintings of like Jesus coming down from the clouds oh, with right. all the desert. He was Seventh-day Adventist. Well, did he make that for us? I think he was on commission. Was it? Interesting. I think so. Interesting. Because I think in that one, that's the one where the angels originally had wings and the church was like, turn those wings into robes. Hmm. I mean, he, I think he's pretty iconic in the church, but he wasn't a member, but he was a Christian. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, I wonder if it's been done, uh, like not to have a persecution complex or anything, but I feel like usually when people depict Mormons in media, it's kind of like a, like they sort of poke fun at us and like, yeah, fair, but I would definitely be interested in, in seeing some, some artwork covering Mormon subjects by someone who's not a member of the church. Yeah. I'll think about that more. Yeah. Now here's a question that I think we both are going to have the same answer to. Who do you feel has been the most influential artist? Oh, to us personally or to the group or to all or to the world oh to the world i don't know maybe we can answer Jeez, each of those it's really hard because obviously we have our own western lens yeah without getting into the politics of global art yep the people that spring to mind it's kind of like when you think about shakespeare or whatever it's like you think about your michelangelo's and everything by default because they're like the ones taught about but like the most influential artist would have to be the holy ghost <laughs> Or our Lord and Savior. No, I don't. <laughs> no. I don't know. What do you think? I think it's Andy Warhol. You love Andy Warhol. I love I, I mean, Andy Warhol. I love Andy yeah, Warhol. you love Andy Warhol. I'm I thought you were going to say. Like a, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, you really do. Okay, I'm going to say it's Andy Warhol. Just, I don't even know why I think that. I don't have a good answer for this. Sometimes your your mind just ever goes blank. And, yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, it's like, I don't want to be too like pedantic and stuff, but I feel like I need a time frame. <laughs> they like the most of all time. The most influential. The cave painting. Because <laughs> they started it all. I mean, if you want me to say most influential of all time, I'd probably say Marcel Duchamp because he, I think, pushed the limits on what is art more than anyone Shifted else up to the that point. Discourse. And I would say Andy Warhol, Andy Warhol. too. Andy Warhol kind of took that and did it on a more approachable yeah level i would say andy warhol is the most significant artist of the 20th century and probably the artist whose impact is the most lasting today i also just really appreciate him on a personal level because even though my work looks nothing like his stuff or has nothing to do with his stuff the fact that he was a total weirdo who really owned his weirdoness appeals to my poor little weirdo heart yeah i think um i I can't really say I'm like a total outsider artist. That'd be disingenuous. I've like had nice education. I've paid a lot of attention to the arts. At the same time, I was never like an art history major or even an art major in the broad fine art sense. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to movements and artists and things, I know in broad strokes. So I'll have to think about that question. I think though, while we're on the subject, it would be interesting to know. I mean, you've said Andy Warhol, but yeah. like our most influential 
personal artists. How about let's let's uh, save that for later. Let's let's do a middle step first. Let's okay. say what's the most influential Mormon artist right now? Oh, right now. And by the way, even though we're a Mormon art collective, we're not experts. And there's artists that we meet all the time where we're like, how do we not know about your stuff before? So if you have a Mormon artist you really like, introduce us to them. The most influential on the in the Mormon art scene. Yeah. I mean, there are some that definitely come to mind in terms of some uh, contemporary Mormon artists that definitely have some punching punching power right now and some staying power. I mean, you've got your Jay Kirk and you got your Kershizniks. <laughs> in terms of influence, though, I'm not sure. This is I'm really out of my league in terms of knowing like who's pushing what way. Yeah, I have like an opinion. I'm gonna say that like Jay Kirk Richards and Brian Kershizniks, I would say, are the most influential Mormon artists for like Mormonism in general, not necessarily Caitlin the Mormon Colley. arts. Yeah, because like they are kind of expanding the boundaries of the art that I would say your mainstream Mormon family wants to have mm-hmm. in their home. That's big, and I think that is really big. I, I think you can get some Jay Kirk at like Desert Book now, right? Yeah, and it's more it's it's more painterly than illustrative, and there's more room for ambiguity than I think mm-hmm. a lot of what you would normally call like quote unquote Mormon art. Um, he is also influencing things on a bit of a fringe too. Yeah. Like he has some pictures that you're not going to find in the average LDS home, but might pop up at a gallery mm-hmm. that get a little bit of buzz and a little bit of like this and that. I mean, mostly thinking about that Eve painting that caused a bit of a stir mm. from a few years ago. I'm not familiar. Um, it's kind of the like African Eve. And there were all the questions about like, slave imagery interesting i don't know but he's doing stuff like that that's like yeah yeah we're a little bit of friends with brad kramer at written vision Mm -hmm. he talked about that a lot in the zion arts podcast Mm. so that's a good one to check out if you're curious about that picture cool cool all right uh and we want to talk about our personal influences and then wrap up yeah i mean i can kind of just rattle through them without going into too much depth i have said earlier, Peter Seville is a really cool graphic designer who I really admire his things. And I found him through like Joy Division and New Order, of course, all those bands coming out of England in the uh, 70s and 80s. On a personal level, I don't know if it shows through in my art. I do love Andy Warhol, mm-hmm. um, but also I am a big fan of performers and, and people like that. That kind of comes from my background in film a little bit, but I love like comedians that have push boundaries. Um, I mean, you've got your Andy Kaufman's and like Lenny Bruce, um, kind of been listening to a lot of that older, more provocative comedy and, uh, people who are just performance art folks like Andy Kaufman. And in modern days, you've got your like Nathan Fielders (laughs) and, uh, Joe Pera, Eric Andre. Um, I don't know if those come across much in what I do, but I, well, I mean, you you do have your parody artwork that you do. And I do like having a sense of humor. Yeah. I'd say, uh, Matt Page was a big influence in the Mormon art scene for me. Um, because Matt Page is when earlier, when you were talking about seeing my stuff and the reaction it gave you felt very similar to the reactions I felt when I found Matt Page's stuff around 2012 or 13, after I came home from my mission, I found uh, Matt's blog which I think is called my Regis blog, which is short for religious or something. <laughs> I don't know if it's still up, but he did kind of like lol cats and different, different comic strip parody things. He influenced me in a big way because I was like, Oh, this is a uh, Mormon art. that's actually like funny yeah. and not like cartoon from the new era 
funny. You right. Know what I mean? Right. Right. Um, I just pulled up a list that I wrote for a um, oh. for like a artist statement once about my interests and influence because I knew I would forget all of them and just flounder without Boy, it. Now I do feel unprepared. <laughs> Step it up next time, lads. Okay. Here we go. I'm going to read this verbatim, and I'm not going to look through it in advance, so who knows what's on here. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. My interests and influences include, in no particular order, natural history, psychogeography, cemetery symbolism, 19th century America, Utah, Mormonism, the occult, tarot, the Old Testament, folklore, the tension between magic and religion, romanticism, Joseph Boyes, Johnny Cash, an illustrator named God's Teeth, David Trigley, Andy Warhol, Amrit Brar, Austin Cleon, Joshua James Ashin, Sufjan Stevens, uh, The Decemberist, Andy Goldsworthy, Folk Magic, Traditional Fabric Crafts, Desert Modernism, Western Gothic, and Andy Dillard. Wow. Yeah. That, that about sums it up. I would say so. And as I was looking through this, I feel very guilty that I don't have more female artists on here. That's my shame to bear right now. Well, I think that about covers it for questions. If we didn't answer your question directly, we tried to kind of group similar ones together so we would cover the same ground. Well, actually, there was a lot that were kind of specific to one of us or the other. I think what we're going to do is like do a more focused interview episode for each of us at some point, as well as, you know, other members of our collective. So if you ask questions about Lazaros or the Desert Prophet specifically, uh, rest assured we'll be interviewing them at a later date but feel free to reach out to us again and we'll maybe we'll just have a question segment in all of yeah. our shows because it's fun it's fun and uh ask us some funny questions too yeah ask us weird things that don't pertain to art at all i don't care yeah ask, ask us, us what our favorite restaurant is what's your favorite restaurant Laz? i don't have one not chakarama well i do love chakarama on brand <laughs> and off brand i think it's surprisingly good we went there for a meetup well it, was, it wasn't a real meetup okay it's my birthday what? But, we didn't go to your birthday? I don't think so. I'm sorry. I'm That's a bad okay. Friend. We live so we live apart. Anyway, yeah, I don't have. A Anyways, hey, listen. We really appreciate you for listening to this. We really appreciate you for caring about this kind of weird thing we're doing. Yeah, follow us if you aren't already. Like us and rate us on whatever you're listening to us on. Rate the heck out of us, but only if it's a good rating. Yeah, don't keep your negativity to yourself unless it's really funny. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Anyway, thank you. Maybe right now we'll have some nice outro music talking yeah. us out or yeah. something. And, yeah. Uh, I think we could probably pull that together. I think it wasn't too bad. Hey, not- let's high five. <laughs> that was not, not too bad though, right? Yeah, not Did too bad. Job. That was good. Yeah,